I live in a house with no windows. A black curtain hangs on my door. The voices of conscience torment me. I live in a room with no floor. There's dirt in the corner I can't see. There's water that runs down the wall. There are mice in the attic above me, and rats playing games in the hall. I live in a house with no windows, and sleep in a room with no heat. The darkness of life that surrounds me keeps out the sounds of the street. I wake when the shadows have fallen, and walk when the memories cease. When purpose in life has no meaning, and only the wicked find peace. Each night, you sense that I'm by you. You feel my breath as you sleep. You hear the faint creak of the floorboards, as out from the shadows I creep. I live in a house with no windows. I live in a house that's now yours. It's my voice you think that you're hearing, for I died in this room with no doors. every soul in between. After a little break, welcome back to October State of Mind, the podcast that transports you to October and spooky season, no matter when you're listening. No matter what month it is before you put those headphones on, it's always October in here. I'm your host, your ghost host, Ricky Schroeder. Rick or treat, if you're nasty. We've got everything spooky-ooky and kooky to chill your bones and give you that crisp fall feeling all year long. True scary stories, creepy news, spooky poems, scary movies, haunted buildings, and more. This is our first post-Halloween episode in the real world. I'm sorry it took me so long to get this post-Halloween episode to you. It probably didn't help with your post-Halloween blues. And that could be possibly why it took me so long to get done that post-Halloween depression. (laughs) But that was my whole point in starting this podcast, was to give you that Halloween feeling all year. Get rid of those post-October blues. But also, you know, the uh, crippling anxiety of the election severely stalled my motivation and work ethic to get this done. I don't like to get too political on this podcast, but I just have to say... I feel like I can breathe for the first time in four years. How was your Halloween? Was it spooky? Was it scary? I didn't make it to any haunts this year. As much as I was impressed with all the safety innovations with all the haunts this year, there just wasn't one convenience enough for me to go to that fit my personal safety criteria. The one that I was considering the most was the Headless Horseman Hayride, which was doing a drive through instead of a hayride this year. But it was just one price for the hayride plus all their other haunts. 
you couldn't just do a smaller price for the drive-through. Um, and it didn't seem worth it to only do the one thing and have to pay for everything. I was told by some friends, however, that they did feel safe when doing the rest of the Headless Horseman haunts. They paid for the fast pass, so they didn't have to wait around anyone at all, they said. And they were able to go through with just their group, which, honestly, I hope that sticks with haunts from now on, because there's nothing worse than when you're with your group and all of a sudden the group behind you catches up or you catch up to the group in front of you and you're waiting and, you know, it, it, it ruins a lot of the scare sometimes when you see them coming to the group ahead of you. So I hope maybe they keep that going, spacing out groups. My friends also said that the scare actors kept their distance and were wearing masks, which I was, I didn't know if they would be or not. I kind of assumed they would, but I just, you know, I wasn't sure. And, you know, if it was all outdoors, I think I may have been persuaded to go. But since some of the haunts are enclosed, I just wasn't ready for it. I did, however, make one last October trip with my cousin and her husband and baby. We just did a day trip upstate near Rhinebeck and went to this spooky abandoned mine in a cave, which was really fun. And then we hiked around that area. It was just the perfect golden fall day. The leaves were at peak. We were all by ourselves during the hike, which included a small graveyard. And then on the way home, we stopped in a cute little village for our first pandemic outdoor dining experience, which felt super safe, especially compared to the city, because there was just, there was no one around. Um, They had some of those bubbles that you see, which I guess those are They can be safe and also not safe, depending on how much time there has been uh, from the group before you and if they've been thoroughly cleaned. And, you know, really, they're only meant for single households. If you're in a bubble with another household, then that's not as safe. But uh, what ended up happening was that we weren't allowed into the bubble with a baby. And I'm not exactly sure the reasoning for that. So we were just at a table, the one table that was completely outside, not enclosed at all. And I think there was maybe two other tables that were occupied and they were in their little enclosed bubbles away from us. And anyway, it felt like a good, safe first foray into the outdoor dining experience. That day trip was a nice little cap on October trips. Now my actual Halloween was very low-key. My fiancé got into town the day before, and we made some purple and green Rice Krispie treats with chocolate spiders on them. I made some apple cider margaritas and some purple ice cubes from purple cabbage, which is very easy to do and completely tasteless. Um, And I have some fun ghost and bat and skull molds for the ice cubes. So that was just a little, you know, fun thing to do. We ordered food and put on our costumes and watched some scary movies. And it was nice. It was very low key, but it was great because, you know, some years I make a plan to want to do something crazy and fun on Halloween night. And, and then for whatever reason, it just doesn't work out. And it ends up being low key anyway, but you know, then I'm upset because I didn't plan on it being low key, but because I had made the plan for it to be low key this year, my expectations were met. Jerry, my fiance, dressed up as gay heart, um, brave heart, but he basically he put on his kilt and painted his face blue with a lot of glitter on it. 
Oh, his Jerry's official title was Gay Heart for Biden because he was gay in a kilt with blue on blue sparkles on his face, and he was wearing a Biden T-shirt. Pretty much every Halloween, he throws on his kilt and does some sort of variation. One year, he was a vampire in a kilt, which I love him. I was a ghost. A sheet ghost, to be exact. I wanted to do something that still felt classic Halloween and fun, but that wouldn't take too much effort because I knew I wasn't going to be going out this year. Now, this sheet goat costume actually took a lot more effort than I was anticipating. It wasn't a crazy amount of work, but it's not as easy as you think it's going to be. You think, oh, just take a sheet and cut two holes in it and call it a day, but No, you got to put the sheet over you, and then you have to have someone else make sure it looks even all the way around because you you can't see it because you're under the sheet. And then you've got to show them where your eyes are. You poke your fingers where your eyes are from inside the sheet, and then make little marks with like a pencil or a marker where your eyes are. And then they also have to make a little mark on the top of your head. And then the internet recommends pinning that top of the sheet where that mark is to a white hat. So... The sheet doesn't slide around on your head. Then you've got to cut the holes out, which I was very haphazard about, but it ended up working out fine. And then you outline the holes in black Sharpie. It's not its not like crazy. It doesn't take hours and hours, but it was more than I was anticipating for whatever reason. I also put on some black eyeshadow all around my eyes so the eye holes looked creepy. I was actually very pleased with it. And it was a good idea for this year since it's actually not very practical for going out since there's no mouth hole to eat or drink and uh, your arms are just trapped inside the sheet the whole time. So it wouldn't have been great if I had actually gone out as a sheet ghost. Now, our building wasn't doing any trick-or-treating this year, but looking online, I uh, actually got emotional seeing the trick-or-treating going on all over the country and the steps people had taken to make it safe. My mom, up in Rochester, New York, set up a table in her driveway with some spooky decorations and lights and Halloween music and had individually wrapped bags of candy that trick-or-treaters could come and grab. And uh, her neighbors across the street had made one of those candy slides that I talked about episodes ago to slide the candy down six feet to the trick-or-treaters. It was uh, clown-themed. It was really cool. And one of the guys I worked with on tour, he had rigged up this flying ghoul in his front yard that flew to the telephone pole on the sidewalk when trick-or-treaters came by. And when the ghoul hit the telephone pole, it released and dropped candy down onto the trick-or-treaters. You know, just looking at all these things, I, I, I got so happy for the kids. And I was moved that people went the extra mile for them. You know, Halloween... Is a time that makes so many of us happy and joyful, and I'm, I'm so happy that that joy was able to maintain in this year. Now, I do have to say, unfortunately, I think I will be cutting back on new episodes for the time being for a couple reasons. A, getting them done on my schedule was starting to become a little stressful for me. It's, it's a schedule I just made for myself. I was trying to basically do one every two weeks. Um, but I was I was getting anxious about getting them done, and I, and I realized that I, doing in this shouldn't be stressful because 
I'm not getting paid. In fact, it, it costs me money to do it. And uh, B, I'm starting to run out of submitted stories. I haven't really gotten any new story submissions in a while, so hopefully if I space episodes out, I won't run out of content. I'm thinking maybe an episode a month for now, or just whenever I finish an episode, I'll, I'll post it. And you'll just have to deal with not having a reliable schedule of new releases. But that way it'll be more fun. It'll be like, oh my god, it's a surprise, a new episode. How fun and exciting. So <laughs> that's what I'm thinking for now. You know, I still want to bring you those spooky October feels every month, but also I don't want to stress myself out too much. And I, I thank you folks for understanding that. And also, please, if you have any scary or creepy true experiences that you've been holding out on, please send them my way. Even if you think, oh, I don't know if this is anything. Sometimes we can work together and add some details uh, and make it a little longer, more of a story. Or if you think, oh, this is too long, I guarantee you it's not too long. I love the longer stories. Um, or if you know anyone, a friend, an aunt, uncle, cousin, anyone who you know has experienced anything creepy, please send them my way. Send an email with your story and also any original creepy spooky poetry to rickyosom at gmail.com. You can also, if you don't feel like writing it out, you can um, record it. Just use voice memos on your phone and uh, you can record your story and send it to me, and uh, then your voice will be featured on October State of Mind. I just ask that you try to uh, be in the quietest room in your house when you tell it, and uh, keep the phone in one place so there's not too much uh, sound fluctuation in terms of getting too loud or soft, and uh, maybe rehearse it once or twice before you say it so I don't have to edit it too much. Um, but I would love to hear your stories, and I would love to share your stories. And uh, remember, that's rickyosom at gmail.com. And you can also follow along at OSOM Podcast, Awesome Podcast, on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook. Our poem today was The Ghost by Richard Jones. And uh, I realized I completely forgot to credit last episode's poem, but it was called One Good Scare by Pat Fleming. With all that being said, I think it's time to get down to the spooky business, and we'll start off today with a story from Annaline in the UK, who is originally from Belgium. It's called Ability. I love horror movies. I love everything to do with the paranormal. But I've never actually experienced anything myself, and so I never know what to think including about this story. So I'm taking care of my partner's dad after a knee replacement surgery. My partner's parents are divorced and do not talk to each other anymore. However, they do sometimes tell me stories from when they were still together. A few days ago, my partner's dad told me something about his ex-wife that completely blew my mind. Apparently from a young age, my partner's mother could see dead people. She grew up on an old farm, and every morning at 5 a.m., the front door latch would open on its own. No one knew why, 
except for her, because she saw an old farmer, who must have died there, open the door to start his day of work. She also told me herself that she knew the sex of her children very early on in both pregnancies, because apparently the angels had told her about it. Now, when she and my partner's dad moved to a new house, when they were in their early 30s, there was one room in that house that was always freezing cold. No matter how much they heated it, it just stayed chilly. Soon after they moved in, my partner's mother started to have fits. She would get extremely confused and start talking gibberish and then faint and start foaming at the mouth. This even happened once while she was driving with her mother and her daughter in the car while she was pregnant with her son, who is my partner. Luckily, no one was harmed, but I'm sure it must have been terrifying. She said that there was a man from the house who had latched himself onto her and was trying to take over. She wasn't strong enough to fight him off and had a whole bedtime routine of mentally sealing every door in the house to try and ward him off. Yet this didn't help. After many fits and fainting spells and negative tests for epilepsy and other medical conditions, she eventually told her husband not to call the ambulance anymore when it happened because they just wouldn't understand. After the car accident, they had given her the diagnosis of fits of unknown cause. As my partner's dad told me, this was destroying their lives. She was a danger to herself and their children, and so they sought out spiritual help. He said that when they went to a medium, his wife started talking to that medium in a man's voice. Now, not just her own voice made deeper and more masculine sounding, it was an actual, completely different voice that was coming out of her mouth. He was completely terrified. Eventually, they had a spiritualist come to their house to inspect it. Without knowing anything about it, that man told them that there was an evil spirit in the room that was always freezing cold. It was latching on to her because she had this ability to see and didn't know how to control it. He said that he could get rid of the spirit and also take away her abilities. This was a hard decision for her to make. However, it had become so dangerous at this point that they decided to do it. The spiritualist was able to get rid of the spirit and took away her abilities. After that, nothing strange ever happened again. Now, my partner's dad still calls himself a skeptic, yet he 100% believes that everything they experienced was paranormal. 
He said it was the worst time in his life. And frankly, listening to him tell the story without all the details, as he said it would take days to tell everything, it gave me the chills. My partner and his sister knew of their mother's abilities, yet they never got many details since they were young when this was all going on. My partner sometimes has bad hallucinations during the night, and for a long time he feared that he had the same ability as his mother. I don't think this is the case, but you never know. Here's a story from Katie in Oklahoma, who brought us our Bigfoot story a few episodes ago. It's called Haunted Museums. I'm a Native American historian and work in historical buildings, museums, and collections. As you can imagine, these are fertile environments for paranormal experiences. I have so many stories, I'm not even sure which ones to tell. I guess I'll start with the rural schoolhouse in eastern Oklahoma. I'm not going to say the name as I'm a former employee and could get in trouble for talking about it as they don't want it out that there's anything paranormal going on. The building was built in a tribal nation for the children in the area. It educated all ages and sat at the hill of a community cemetery. The original school burned down in the 1890s and was rebuilt by the county in the 1920s. The tribe got the building back in the 1980s, and then it fell into disrepair. I began working on a restoration of it in 2007 to turn it into a museum. In the time it sat empty, it was trashed by vandals. We found lots of dead animals in the basement that had been mutilated, spray-painted symbols everywhere, just horrible things. We got it cleared out and were able to begin the restoration. Once we had an alarm system installed, it began to go off constantly in the middle of the night, triggered by a side door that kept opening, even when it was locked. No one can figure out how this is happening. Weird, but we just ignored it. Work continues on the restoration with no other issues. Once I got in the building to actually work on exhibits, I heard giggling <laughs> down the hall by the bathrooms, which used to be classrooms. I heard small footsteps. I don't acknowledge them. One day, as we were painting cases, a co-worker came out of the bathroom, terrified. He said there were handprints on the wall. I ran to look, and sure enough, there they were. Tiny, child-sized handprints going from the floor all the way up to the ceiling. 
they were wet and dried quickly before our eyes. We left for the day after that. My work finished soon after, but he was stationed there as a docent and has had many more encounters. One with a little girl who shows up down the hall by the bathrooms. He also says something leaves perfect dirt mounds in every windowsill. And no, it isn't termites. There are abnormally large gatherings of black beetles in every electrical outlet. Not sure if that's paranormal, but it's definitely weird. The basement is especially dark and scary, and the door has somehow sealed itself shut and can't be opened. It's just left that way now. Another building I worked on restoring and turning into a museum was the old tribal courthouse. Built in 1844, it survived the Civil War when no other buildings did. It was in poor shape and took a lot of restoration work. One night, my boss and I were working on a case and we heard the front door creak open. It even beeped the alarm. This was about 8 p.m., so it was after hours and we weren't open yet as exhibits were still going in. My boss looks out the door and no one is there. Confused, he walks outside, but again, nothing. These doors were super heavy. They couldn't be blown open or really be opened easily at all. Something had to have used force to push them open. He came back into the room, and we quickly wrapped up and left. Another time, I was in the building and I heard someone walking upstairs, and then heard a door close. We were closed for the night. I was alone inside, and the doors are anchored to the floor. There's a male figure guests and workers see upstairs often. The lady who works the front desk greets him every morning. He likes her, but when she's sick or not there, he harasses the other workers. The energy in the history of these lands seems to have seeped into these buildings and the surrounding areas. I've had so many experiences, it's impossible to ignore the paranormal truth of it all. So this is kind of creepy news, and it's kind of in the scary movie category. Um, It's a little bit of both, and a little bit of neither. But there's this documentary... I believe it's currently on Amazon Prime, but about a year ago, maybe two years, time is all, you know, doesn't matter anymore. Uh, I had watched it on Netflix. It's called Haunters, The Art of the Scare. And I was like, cool, an in-depth look at haunted houses and scare actors and everything it takes to put on an annual Halloween haunt. And while it is partly that, 
the documentary talks to a few scare actors, some legendary scare actors and, and, uh, haunt builders and people after they've gone through the haunts, um, the biggest bulk of screen time and my biggest takeaway, and really the only thing I can vividly remember from it a year or two years later, was the focus on McCamey Manor and its owner, Russ McCamey. I can't even in good conscience call McCamey Manor a haunt. In my view, it's, it's essentially a torture chamber. You hear about extreme haunts where people can touch you or where you're blindfolded or where it's dark. <laughs> well, that's all a tiptoe through the tulips compared to McCamey Manor. Russ McCamey has created this house of literal horrors where willing participants start off by being kidnapped, blindfolded, and taken to the secret location of the manor where they are subjected to at least six hours of all kinds of physical and psychological torture. You might be waterboarded, buried alive, forced into a box with bees and wasps. Your hair or fingernails might be pulled out. You'll be force-fed unknown substances and rotted food, and then you better keep that all down because you might be forced to eat anything that makes its way back up a second time. You may even be drugged or forced to pull out your own teeth. Each experience is custom tailored to each willing participant based on their fears. So if you're scared of spiders, you can bet you'll have a tarantula walking across your face at some point. It's all just awful, truly disturbing stuff. But somehow this torture is all legal. There is an actual wait list, thousands of people long, who are ready and willing and excited to actually put themselves through this. They have to each individually have a mental and physical health screening, as well as a Skype meeting with Russ himself, so he can properly vet them to whatever his standard is. Then they have to sign a 40-page waiver, and the waiver process takes about two hours to go through. Russ wants to make sure it's ironclad because there have been multiple people who have tried to sue him after their experience for mental and physical anguish. But because of that waiver, they haven't been successful. There's also no payment for this. Russ only accepts non-mandatory donations. Originally, when he first started, he only accepted donations of dog food. How sweet. McCamey Manor has been shut down several times by authorities, and Russ has moved locations a number of times, most of the time because of neighbors in the area complaining about screams and noise and seeing people blindfolded and tied up, <laughs> screaming and kicking, being dragged into the so-called haunt. You know, concerning things that you might see on the street. Russ has even received numerous death threats, according to a recent article, to his email, Musical Excitement with Russ, 
at gmail.com because oh yeah he also works as a wedding dj so if you got a wedding coming up you might want to book him the most disturbing part of this whole thing to me however is that each experience russ calls them performances is recorded in its entirety and from what i gathered from watching haunters is that russ re-watches them all the time he says it's just for legal purposes but if you watch the documentary there's there's just something in his eyes in his smile when he's watching these videos there's even footage of him tormenting some of his guests and there's this sickening demented glee that spreads across his face knowing he's in a position of complete power knowing he is torturing these people he used to have no safe word or he gave people a safe word that he actually wouldn't pay any attention to when they said it but he's since changed that policy probably because people sued him but he laughs it all off claims he's just a normal guy giving people a thrill they want it he gives them cookies and a blanket when it's all done so it's all good right you know to some extent you can almost buy into it like yeah these people signed up for this they've seen the videos of past participants for some reason they want to be physically and mentally tortured but it's it's the sick dark demented delight that you can see in russ that to me is unforgivable especially when asked would he go through McKamey Manor himself? And he answers with a firm, not a chance. Perhaps this is an outlet that Russ needs with willing participants that if he weren't, if he weren't able to do this, you know, maybe he'd find unwilling participants. So maybe it's better this way. I don't know. Part of me even regrets talking about McKamey Manor because it's so clear that Russ thrives on attention and I'm just giving him more. People being angry and upset about what he's doing are just what gets people to look him up and then go to the so-called haunt in the first place. They're not going because they think they're going to have a good time. They're going because of something else something probably dark and bizarre that lurks within them all I know is the images of these people going through this hell stayed in my mind for months after watching this documentary haunters and not because there was any ounce of spooky joy in them. You know, the haunt community at large does not consider McKamey Manor part of the haunt community. 
And most of them hate it because, you know, when they see that, people might start to think, oh, well, that is, that's what happens at haunts, or that's what happens at an extreme haunt. They're the same thing. When normally an extreme haunt is just they, they touch you appropriately. <laughs> they, they, they give you a little push or a little shove, like, oh, how scary. See, to me, the joy of being scared is that laugh after the scream. The build of anticipation as you walk into a room of mannequins. And you're sure one of them is going to move, but you're not sure which one. When all of a sudden, the one you didn't expect lunges at you. You yelp. And then you laugh. You get that adrenaline spike and that joy knowing you're safe, knowing ultimately you're in control, knowing you're not going to be hurt, knowing the end game of the people trying to scare you is to make you have a good time, to make you have fun. See, that's what I want. And that's the opposite of McCamey Manor. I don't want real life misery, torture, and abuse. It's, it's inconceivable to me that there's a wait list of people who want that. What I want is a night of delightful fright. And now I'm going to do something never before attempted on October State of Mind. I hinted at it in my first episode. I'm going to do an interview with someone whose seasonal job it is to give people those delightfully frightful nights. I'm going to interview a scare actor named Alan Brandt. I had to work out the logistics on how to conduct these interviews over the internet, still maintaining at least somewhat of a good audio quality, and I think I figured it out. So we'll see how it goes. All right, so now I'd like to welcome Alan onto October State of Mind. Thank you so much for being my very first guest, Alan. Thank you for letting me be here. Absolutely. I haven't done any interviews yet. Part of it was trying to figure out how to do it online through zoom and all that so i'm excited it could go great and it could go terrible who knows <laughs> exactly so why don't you introduce yourself your your name is alan brandt right yep i'm alan brandt um let's see i uh live here in minneapolis with my partner mark of uh, five years um we have three cats luke fred hugh they're all great most of the time <laughs> um, of course, cats always, you know, they're they're good when they want to be. Now tell me, did you grow up in Minneapolis or are you from there originally? No, I'm actually from South Dakota. I grew up on a farm. So like my closest neighbor was like a half a mile away. It sounds kind of stereotypical, but you know, that's what I grew up on. It's a little tiny town of called Elkton. There's like 700 people there. I graduated with like 22. Um, oh, Wow. Yeah, it, it was tiny. I went to college at South Dakota State University, which is actually like 20 minutes away from where I grew up, but I lived on campus. So it pr basically was completely 
different world when I was there. My degree is actually journalism advertising. Did like a couple semesters of theater classes, which I enjoyed and loved, but I was talked out of it by my advisor. So regret that. And then I moved here to Minneapolis 20 years ago on Halloween. You moved on Halloween? Yeah, I, I actually moved. All my, yeah, I moved here on Halloween from. Oh, that's so uh, cool. Yeah, so every year it's like, oh, hey, it's a, you know an anniversary, so <laughs> it's kind of cool. And you are a scare actor, yes? Yes, I am. I'm a scare actor. Um, so how did you get started in doing that? Well, okay, so in 2000, I was an intern at this family amusement park here in Minneapolis uh, called Valley Fair. Their sister park to like Knott's Berry Farm and Dorney, which is not too far from you. And they did their Halloween weekend. And it was just, it was kind of experimental. And one of them asked me if I wanted to try it. And I'm like, um, okay. And they're like, what do I do? And they're like, I don't know, just scare people. I'm like, okay. Um, Great. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I painted myself up like what I remember, what I did for Halloween lat the year before, which was just a kind of a zombie 50s biker guy. And I scared the crap out of people. That, it was a lot of fun. And then, um, did stop doing that I actually for like 16 years. And then when I met Mark, I I had a few things going on in my uh, happened to me. Um, so the second time I got jumped and the second time I got hit by a truck, it really oh, wow. kind of, <laughs> it really kind of uh, made me frightened of going to like haunted attractions and everything. So yeah. Mark decided, said, why don't we, you know, you did it before. Why don't we work at a haunt attraction so 16 years later i ended up back at valley fair doing valley scare and so yeah it really helped me demystified everything and lessened all my ptsd and that's basically how it started and been doing a lot more since oh wow that's i wasn't expecting that <laughs> that's really cool that you were able to do that and part of your job as a scare actor now is sort of healing for you, you would say? Yeah, it really is. Uh, like, <laughs> I still get nervous crossing the street. Um, if a car kind of stops really fast, it frightens me. If anyone is wearing a hoodie and I can't see their face, I get really nervous because when I got jumped, three kids, white kids, were wearing hoodies and I couldn't see them. So, so being a scare actor has actually lessened a lot of my um fears and stuff that's so interesting you know i i have a lot of anxiety myself and i was also jumped in new york by three kids i don't remember what they were wearing but it was definitely a scary experience but i'm the same like i love scary movies and i love going to haunts and i it's so interesting how the comment i get all the time when i'm talking about halloween and everything is oh why do you love scary things so much the world is scary enough as it is mm -hmm. and uh well let me ask you do you people ever say that to you and what's your response to them oh uh, yeah they they really do they ask me why you like horror movies it's like it actually kind of it calms me down and kind of makes me feel a lot better because i have gone through actual fear and terror and seeing what's basically you know their story going on make believe like a story it actually makes me relax and enjoy the movie and enjoy the story and, and enjoy the characters. I mean, I, I always think that 
when you're going to a haunt or you're watching a scary movie, it's that thrill of the fear is more about that like adrenaline rush and you know you're in a safe environment Mm -hmm. and you know it's fake and you know you're going to laugh immediately after you scream. And it's just that, it's that adrenaline thing. And it's also, there's a sense of conquering the fear that's, uh, that makes you feel empowered, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's almost like uh, roller coasters that because I love roller coasters. My partner, we do, we do romantic trips to roller coasters. uh, That's (laughs) so fun. So yeah, we're we're cool like that. Uh, so that 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 adrenaline is what I feel going through a haunted attraction. So growing up as a kid, did you ever go to haunts, and did you ever think that it would be something you would do? No. In second grade, um, the sixth graders put on a little haunting that was on the stage, and I was terrified. And my teacher was like, "Oh, it was the '80s." And um, they're like, "Just go. You're fine. Just go." And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> And it's pitch black. I'm like, all right, I'm walking, walking. And then someone has like a wet hand, like water, and puts it right on my shoulder. And I completely freak out. My teacher basically told me to stop crying. Um, oh, God. 80s. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't do anything until then. And I just it got this lingering fear. I was like, I just got tired of it. And then NX took me through this haunted house that's done at the Minnesota State Fair which I didn't want to, but I went through it. I'm like, this is really cheesy. And then when I, <laughs> and, then when, and then I got asked to do Halloween weekends, I'm like, you know what? I think this will help me get over this little fear from second grade. So why not? Yeah. And yeah. I did. I did. And I don't think in South Dakota, there was any haunt attractions that I know of. I know there is a, a few now, but back then, no. I mean, Halloween has certainly exploded within like the past 10, 15 years, I think, mm-hmm. in in America, at least. So have you ever worked at haunts other than Valley Scare or has that only been at Valley Scare? No, um, I've done Valley Scare. I also have done the Haunted Basement. And I've also, this year, I was part of the COVID Safe from Flip Phone Events, Deadly Drive-In. So I've done oh, those. Yeah. And then I also did last year's Haunted Basement, first ever holiday haunt. That was a lot of fun. I remember seeing something about that on Facebook. Is the basement sort of a traditional haunt or is it, how would you explain the basement? Haunted Basement was, is, was put together uh, and still is by um, just a lot of queer artists and people of color and, and gender nonconformity. We put in designs for the rooms and then um, it gets chosen and then they have a certain theme. So last year, the Haunted Basement moved over to a mall and we were in an abandoned department store. And so it had that abandoned department store theme throughout the whole event. So it's not traditional because it's 18 plus. We can touch you. Um, you can't mm-hmm. touch us. I can swear, which is awesome. <laughs> Love that. But yeah, it's completely different than what I did at, at Valley Scare. At Valley Scare, are you, because it's, it's an, at an amusement park, right? Yeah, so there's walk through mazes part of it, and then there's is mm-hmm. there like scare zones? What did you do? I'm in um, the corn maze, Dark Harvest, and that was the first one they put me in for 2016. And I it was first called Hellside Farms, and then they moved the attraction and it changed to Dark Harvest, and I just became somehow I became the face of it. So I'm the per- oh, amazing. <laughs> so I'm the person that you first meet when you before you go inside, and I. It's 
drilled in my brain the entire speech that I tell everyone before they go inside. So you've had sort of the, the same character every year you've worked at Valley Scare. Yeah, I kind of build off of it each year. Yeah. So when I first did it, I just thought of the character as he's just one of the people that works on the farm. And then when we moved, I'm like, okay, so he works on the farm and, you know, he's kind of picked on by his family, but his dream is to be a game show host. Um, <laughs> of course. Why not? Of course, no, obviously. So I kind of took that and used that for my, as my character. So I look completely gross and gro- grotesque, but I use my customer service voice, which makes people very unnerved by that. And it's a lot of fun. So you said this year you did a COVID safe haunt. Yes. Tell me more about that. It was, so the COVID safe one, basically, if you remember reading about Japan was doing some of these drive-throughs for their kind of Halloween haunt or whatever. Uh, yeah. we, we just did kind of like a drive-in where they just drive into a tent and then we do the scare around their vehicle. So there were eight different tents. Um, so eight cars were going on. And we were all performing the exact same audio that's going on at the same time. Lights and audio. It was done by the producers of a uh, documentary uh, Scream Queen. So it was, it was really good. And um, I, you know, they, they helped with visuals too. And so how it went was basically... They would give us the keys of their vehicle, and then we give them a sanitized speaker, which was set on a radio station, which played our sound. And then everything just happened around their car. And then once it was done, we just exchanged, and then they can drive off. Oh, that's amazing. I, you know, I didn't make it to any haunts this year. I was there were a couple things I was considering, including a drive-through haunt, but I just didn't make it happen. Did you feel like? it was as effective Were people still scared and people were still enjoying it and it felt like oh, Halloween. Yeah, it, it, it really did. It was like I said, it was a completely different beast than what I'm used to. And I'm more, I like to do more creepy. Um, I'm not a bunch of a jump scare person, Yeah, but I did do one jump scare, which terrified everyone every time. And I played it for laughs. Um, there's a part where, um, there's a mall murderer ha- going on and tra- killing people. And you first, so basically, the first half is just traditional haunt. The second half is the mall murderer. And so the mall murderer leaves the tent. And then I switch out the mask and put on a security guard hat. And then I have a very bright lantern. So I'm, it's pitch black in the tent. And I'm creeping all the way down into a yogi squat by the driver's side, passenger side uh, door. And when it says, um, Wait in your cars. Security's on the way. So when they say that, a couple like a uh, just a beat or two, I pop up with the light and bang on their window. And every time they would completely freak out because they weren't expecting me. They're expecting <laughs> me to kind of to wander in aimlessly, but no. So yeah, oh, that's amazing. What would you say your favorite part about being a scare actor is? Is it getting that scream and that surprise, or what's your favorite thing about doing it? The scream is great because uh, <laughs> you can tell you can tell you're, when you're a scare actor is when you hear people screaming, you start laughing. It makes you makes you feel kind of all warm and fuzzy inside. Uh, of course, <laughs> uh, but also the performing too because um, I really do love performing a lot, and it and a lot of it is it, it it basically is improv, and it's a lot of yes and for everything. Yeah, it's just the performing and being you know, performing in front of. 
um, an audience, and the audience is, you know, pretty much captive. <laughs> so do you have any crazy stories or favorite stories of anything that's happened at a haunt or that anything anyone said or has anyone ever gotten aggressive with you or yeah well okay there's quite a few so i'll start with the covid thing uh this year i accidentally broke a windshield uh so at the very end um i have a blanket i have a tarp kind of covering their window and then i pull it off and then i have a rubber mallet uh, it's from spirit halloween and you know you could hit it on anything and it won't break stuff so somehow when i hit it i somehow hit a weak spot in their windshield and it's spider webbed uh, i didn't oh know until the, i didn't notice until the lights came off and i'm like oh no so i get the promoter chad and his husband and i let them know and they're, you know, they took photos and you know and i felt awful and chad's like don't worry about it it you know we have insurance and it was an accident you know just just don't use the mallet i'm like done i had one lady tell me i was too scary which i was flattered that's the know, goal yeah one girl one woman um when the lights came well, it was completely done the lights came up and we were done and i'm knocking on the window and she's refusing to open the door and stuff because she thinks it's still the show. And I'm like, no, it's done. I'm done. Completely done. Here's your keys. Done. So it took her like a minute or two just to like, yeah, show's done. Uh, I caught a couple people making out in a corner in the, in the corn maze. Uh, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm standing there stunned. I'm like, this is happening. And then, and then I'm like, excuse me. And they see me and they freak out and run. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's just kind of all very stuff. I've had the typical Karens. Oh, no. How dare you scare my kid? I'm like, you do know you're at a place called Valley Scare, right? Yeah, this is this is what you signed up for, mm-hmm. ma'am. Yes, and we said it. We said it specifically. It, you know, PG-13. Like I said, last and last year I had people, like, remembering me, which uh, I was kind of stunned. I'm like, oh, great. That's so awesome. It's always been something that I've thought, oh, maybe I should do that sometime because I I feel like I would have a lot of fun doing it. Now, I assume because when you're working and you have your schedule, you're not typically able to go to other haunts and experience them for yourself. No, I'm not. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been able to go to any other haunts because basically from August to December, I'm busy with something with regarding haunt. Walk me through your process of like getting ready for a night of haunting. Like how long does it take you to get into costume makeup? Do you do any prep for your character? So beforehand, the entertainment manager, Todd, uh, he sent me a bunch of questions. And so I decided, so basically I took those questions and I just started writing it up as my character, which is Samuel Keeler. And it's the Keeler family that runs the, you know, Dark Harvest. And so I just basically kind of go off of that. And he really hates the guest that comes in, but he just grins and bears it because they're uh, the guests or victims are the ones that help feed the demonic crops. My character made a deal with the demons and Cedar Fair, which owns Valley Fair, um, <laughs> to uh to make sure that dark harvest stays around unlike other little mazes that are no longer there 
And basically, he's like, what kind of music he listens to. And even though my character's supposed to be like in the 1800s, I actually use, I actually have a playlist that I listened before I perform um, at uh, <laughs> Tiffany's I Think We're Alone Now. And also, Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up. Everybody Wants to Rule the World, Lord's Version from The Hunger Games. And also, I use... I got a spell on you by Annie Lennox. So those four actually kind of helped me get into my character. So makeup takes about because the makeup artists they love me because you know I put my I have my red contacts and I say you have the entire palette. The only thing I request is just to put a little red under my eyes so they my eyes pop out. Go whatever you want to do with it. So the most it's ever taken for me for makeup was like an hour because we went kind of intricate least amount was like 10 15 minutes but yeah so it's like an average of like 30 minutes for makeup for me and so what time do you usually get to work and then and then what time are you leaving okay so i would get there like around four in the afternoon and my makeup time was like 4 30 i was part of the pre-show i had to get there at 6 30 with all the other performers and i don't get home until like 1 a.m Wow, it's a long night. It is. It is. Do you ever feel run down or does your voice ever get hoarse after? And how do you take care of that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do feel run down. It's really tiring. I'm doing my full-time job along with doing this. So I know I'm getting very little sleep, not lifting weights or doing yoga like I want to. So I still try to you know, take care of myself by, you know, Try eating healthy, try not to drink too much caffeine, drink a lot of water, try to get as much sleep as I can, um, spend time with my partner as much as I can when our schedules kind of can mesh. So yeah, and for my voice, this year, actually, I started using, um, because my uh, partner, Mark, is is a singer. He said, you got to use your diaphragm if you're going to use your loud voice. And so I use that for the deadly drive-in and so my voice was actually pretty good this year on um, previous years because i'm talking a ton i would kind of start to lose my voice like two-thirds of the way so i would actually ask someone if they could just you know take my spot like for a night or two so i can recover my voice so and i would scare somewhere else like at the very end which is my favorite spot of the maze because they don't expect me um <laughs> And yeah, I can tell I'm, you know, I'm, I'm old, I'm, I'm a bit older than most of the people who are scare acting, but I, you know, I keep up and I have a great time. That's awesome. Well, we're almost running out of time here, but I just had a couple more questions for you. One was, have you, because a lot of what we discuss on October State of Mind is ghosts and the paranormal. And so, A, do you believe in ghosts? And B, have you ever had any sort of paranormal experience? Uh, yes, I believe in ghosts. And B, yes, I did, because I grew up in, a, in an old farmhouse. Well, there you go. My dad's grand, grandma died in the house. I didn't find out until I was in college. Can I explain some of the noises? When I, I lived on the, on the second floor, uh, my bedroom was up there. And in the middle of the night, I would hear steps going up maybe the house was settling whatever but i seriously heard someone walking and walking up toward my door and i would 
it was frightening. And I would, sometimes I would actually go to the door and there's no one there. And there's a couple times where I'm in the kitchen, I'm making stuff and the cabinet door may open on its own. Wow. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Quick question. Do you have a favorite scary movie? And what is it? Trick or Treat. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love that movie a lot. It's one of my favorites. So actually, what is yours? You know, that's actually a very hard question for me <laughs> to answer because I have there's so many. And then I there's one in each sort of subgenre of horror. The one that always comes first to mind is Cabin in the Woods. I love that um, one. Yeah, that's one of my for sure favorites. But then I think of the ones that have actually scared me the most. And one was Blair Witch Project back when it first came out that scared the hell out of me. And then more recently, the the only movie to really scare me as much as that did was years later when Paranormal Activity came out. Oh, yeah. Um, that one scared me a lot. And then there also, I love <laughs> I love uh, the recent It Chapter 1. That's it's just such um, a such a well done movie. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when I talk about my scary movies is I just keep going to the next and oh that one I love and that one I love too. What did you do for Halloween this year? So for Halloween this year, we had to cancel our show because it's you know it's outdoors and we had a wind advisory, so thirty to forty miles for our winds. So no. we really can't do any of the scares while we're you know while that's happening. So. It was the first time since I was 18, since I had no plans for Halloween. So I stayed home and watched uh, Dr. Sleep. So good. Well, Alan, thank you so, so much for being my very first guest on October State of Mind. I really appreciate it. Is there anywhere where anyone might be able to follow you if you want them to? Yeah, um, you can follow me on Alan on his way on all social media, A-L-L-E-N. And also, if you want to follow my demonic dolly, um, because she has an Instagram, uh, <laughs> it's uh, Sarah the Dolly, Sarah with an H and Dolly with an I-E. She's on Instagram, too. Well, she's definitely going to get a follow from me, that's for sure. Good, good. <laughs> She'll appreciate it. Well, thank you so much, Alan. Until we talk again. Th- thank you, Ricky. Keep haunting people. Oh, I will. Here's another story from Allie in Texas, our new haunted home. We bought our house and moved in last September. I have a few of the different clairvoyant abilities, so I definitely got a strong vibe. Not evil, not nice, just a strong feeling that something was here. My strongest ability is the one where I just know things. Like I know something bad is about to happen, but I don't know what or who it will happen to. This ability has been stronger ever since I've lived in this house. I've since started trying to purposely strengthen it, but I hadn't even known it was a thing until I lived here and it began to grow. Everyone I've ever told about my bad, strong feelings thought I was crazy. But I've had them my entire life. My mother-in-law lives with us. She has said a few times she's felt 
a cat, crawl into bed with her. The movement lasts about as long as it would take an actual cat to hop up, make itself comfortable, and lay down. Before she moved in with us, she owned many cats, so I assumed this feeling would have brought her a sense of comfort in her sleep. No. It woke her up, and she was terrified. It really freaked her out, and hearing her tell me freaked me out. I've noticed shadows in the hallway. You know when you know someone is coming down a hallway because you can see them in your peripheral vision? I get that a lot. But nobody will be there. I just see it out of the corner of my eye. One night, when I was home alone, I ran inside to grab my wallet so I could go out to eat with some friends, and it was dark in the house. When I got to the hallway to go to our room, the shadow was there, and it literally reached for me. It was so fast, I blinked, and it was gone. My mother-in-law has also seen things in the hallway. One time she said she saw me in the hall. Except it wasn't me. I was in my room. She said she saw me coming out of the kids' room, which is down the hall from my room. I feel like I'm being watched any time my back is turned to that hallway. My youngest son started having night terrors when we moved in, maybe a few months after we moved. And when he wakes up, he's terrified at something and he doesn't recognize me and he won't let me help him. He's two and I realize that this is normal night terror behavior, but I just thought it was weird that it happened so often and such a creepy house. I'm home alone with my kids often, they're two and three, and I don't ever feel scared until I see or hear something odd. I always feel like something is around, but I'm not afraid until I see or hear it, if that makes any sense. I'm not sure. My boyfriend doesn't believe me, but I just can't deny the strong feelings and presences that I sense here. And that's all I have for you today on this October State of Mind episode. I hope you enjoyed this little shake-up to the normal format. If you have a fun, creepy, paranormal, or Halloween-related job, hit me up and I'd love to do more interviews. I so appreciate everyone's five-star ratings and the kind reviews that some of you have posted for this podcast. And if you'd like to leave one yourself, please do so. Remember to send me your stories and poems and interview requests to rickyosom at gmail.com and follow along at osompodcast, awesome podcast, on all the social media. 
If you haven't taken down your Halloween decorations yet, that's okay. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Plus, gourds and pumpkins work for fall and Thanksgiving anyway. Everyone in the USA, please have a safe Thanksgiving. Virtual gatherings with your family are just fine. And don't worry, you'll hear from your favorite ghost host again. But until then, sleep tight, don't look under the bed, and happy hauntings.